My name's Josh. And my name's Brett. Welcome to Hapticast. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hapticast, episode 21. I am joined by my good friend, Brett Roberts. Hello. Hello, Brett. Hello, hello. Yeah, and my name's Josh Tall, by the way. Hi, Josh. There's that. Hi, Brett. You having ghost orbs on your screen, dude. Dude, it's our playthrough of Phasmophobia. It's coming in. That's what I'm saying. Um, do you want to start with that? Well, not Phasmophobia specifically, but just in general. What? With what? what? More... <laughs> no, that's just, we're going to have more content coming out. Oh, so. yeah. So you. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, basically, we did just film a Let's Play with one of our friends, Christian. Uh, we played some Phasmophobia, which is a pretty uh, popular game right now. A lot of people are checking it out. Um, we played it a couple weeks ago without recording. It was just us playing for fun. And we thought it was awesome. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, Josh and I are huge fans of ghost adventures and, you know, paranormal activity and stuff like that and all those kinds of movies. So, um we have a lot of fun playing it and we just filmed the let's play for you guys. And that's going to be coming out, uh, eventually I'm not sure when exactly, but yeah. we're, we're doing I'm some extra hopefully stuff Hopefully before Halloween or by Halloween, at least. Yeah. We're doing some extra stuff. We have some, some fun ideas for the let's play. So it's not going to be a traditional, uh, Hey, what's up everybody. Come. Thanks for watching. You know, have to plays. It's going to be a little different than usual. So, uh, be on the yeah. lookout for that. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah. So, right. so what do you uh what have you been doing this week? Oh, man. Um I was on vacation all last week. So That's right. Did you enjoy your vacation or your staycation, I guess, more so? Yeah, definitely a staycation. We couldn't go anywhere. We were supposed to go to uh Salem, Massachusetts, do some some witch stuff. Oh, that would have been slick. Yeah, we weren't allowed to enter the state without getting a COVID test and we thought it'd be Aww. best to just stay home and not even fuck around, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um but during my break, um, Pokemon Sword and Shield dropped the Crown Tundra DLC. So I did play through that. Mm -hmm. um, and I know you actually were playing Isle of Armor, correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I have I got the pass whenever they launched it like a long time ago. Yeah. I just never played the DLC. But um, this weekend in between us filming and doing some other stuff, um, it's actually been a really busy weekend. I've been playing that um, as much as I can. So I'm almost done Isle of Armor, um, which update I'm on like the, you know, like when at the end of it, you have to go to one of those two different towers yep. and pick one of them. Yep. With um, whatever that Pokemon's called. Kubfu. Uh, Kubfu, yeah. Um, I'm on like the fourth floor of the that tower. So I'm almost done. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. you're going to... There's going to be a little bit more after that. Um, I think you do okay. a couple battles and stuff like that. But besides that, you're done. You're pretty much done. Mm -hmm. um, so for those that don't know, that's DLC one. And then DLC two is the Crown Tundra, which is the one that just right. dropped. Um, which is what I'm why I'm playing Isle of Armor to get through that so we can play. Yeah. So Crown Tundra does have the emphasis on Crown Tundra is exploration and um, legendary Pokemon. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with Pokemon, every time a new Pokemon game comes out, there's like, you know, two to five, sometimes even more legendary Pokemon added in each game. And every time they put a new game out, they seem to like forget about the old legendaries. And specifically in Sword and Shield, 
they pretty much forgot about all Pokemon. There's like 800, 900 Pokemon now. And they were just like, yeah, we're only going to put a couple in this game. And then these subsequent DLCs have been adding more Pokemon. Like I know, Josh, you were saying one of the cool things about playing Isle of Armor is just seeing all of these old Pokemon back in the game again. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, not only are there, you know, regular returning Pokemon, but there's also now returning legendaries with uh, Crown Tundra. And I have gotten almost every new legendary that they added to the game in Crown Tundra. Uh, I have one more to go. Uh, it's not a spoiler. They added the three legendary birds, Articuno, Zapdos and Moltres. Um, new Galarian versions of them. And mm. I need just one more. I need to get Articuno. Um, and then I beat the DLC, basically. So uh, following that, you and I will be able to do the Dynamax adventure thing where we can go through these challenges, essentially. And then at the end, there's a, a, a legendary Pokemon that you can catch together. So, yeah, that's what I'm excited for. But, cool. Yeah. Besides that, I've just been watching uh, Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix. Big fan of that mm -hmm. show. So I just finished up the the new six episodes that they just dropped and uh, they were good. They were pretty good. Good shit. Yeah. What about you? Um, as for me, I like we were just talking about, obviously, I'm playing Pokemon as well, mm -hmm. um, which I, I just want to say, by the way, I know like Sword and Shield get a lot of crap for being like really basic or whatever. I know there was like that whole thing with those animations and stuff like that. Yeah. Which I totally get all of those criticisms. Um, but for me, I don't I just I enjoy it a lot when I'm playing as like a traditional Pokemon game. Um, and maybe it's because I'm not like a Pokemon purist, like I'm not the biggest Pokemon fan, like I haven't played every single Pokemon or owned every single Pokemon game like you have. Yeah. And to be honest, the last time I really played a Pokemon game, well, I did I, I did play Let's Go Eevee. I beat beat that. Um, but besides that, the last one I really played was like Emerald Sapphire. And even those I can tell you, I definitely did not beat them or like get very far in them at all. Yeah. So. And I think that was like 2003. <laughs> That this came out yeah so a long time ago yeah um but yeah and then i too have been watching unsolved mysteries i just watched how far are you in that by the way done. did you finish it yeah oh you're done it yeah i got to the i watched the tsunami episode last night yeah which was really sad actually it was very sad <laughs> i was like i was like i thought this was gonna be like a spooky ghost thing it was like just sad and depressing the entire time me, I was like, me too because it's like the, the first one that this new uh unsolved mysteries has delved into like a uh, a ghost story. It's the first right. one, and it's a sad ghost story, not a scary ghost story by any means. Dude, yeah, it was very sad. I was surprised. Yeah. Um. So that's where I got to last night. Um. And then I also did like we talked about last week. I did just finish my Saw franchise rewatch. Yes. Um. So I went through all of them again. You can check it out on Letterboxd. Follow me. Um. And yeah, I just. I like I've told you before, I the Saw franchise is really underrated as like a piece of art to me, um, and I oftentimes just get looks at gets looked at as just torture porn, mm -hmm. um, which it, there are instances where like it's totally like self and like gratifying like with the directors of being like oh this is so cool just to fucking have all these practical effects and ripped up and shit and whatever yeah and that's fine. Um, but like the actual narrative through line through all of the at least the original seven um, up through the final chapter is really good because how they 
introduce characters and then connect those characters to like the original movie and the original events and to like actual jigsaw himself and all that stuff um is really cool when you rewatch it that being said the final chapter is definitely the weakest in the original franchise and jigsaw the one that came out like a couple years ago no no it's like perfectly it's like perfectly competent film like it's not bad but without spoiling because i know you want to watch it they do something that kind of fucks with the timeline and the characters of the original franchise oh, no. and while it makes sense i'm like you just it's like they they made a choice right to introduce somebody new that goes back to the beginning of the timeline of the movies and by introducing that new person and connecting them to all those other things it undermines everything else that happens in the franchise yeah and it just totally didn't need to exist that's unfortunate and like the, yeah because the um, main they, the cool thing to me ahead. about saw and every every one of the movies is like they'll be like well actually it turns out that this character exactly. was the person exactly. that did this and you're like oh my god yeah which is what they try to do with jigsaw it just fails miserably because then it undermines everything else that happened and gotcha. usually each each movie eventually becomes kind of formulaic especially after um Boozman leaves as director who is by the way the guy who did um repo the genetic opera okay um and so he was like involved and he's the one directing the new spiral from the book of saw movie oh wow um so he was like involved back with like Lee Wanell and James Wan and everything back in the day. Gotcha. And when he leaves the franchise, you can see that they take his formula and it's like the same thing for every movie. And it's like, okay, there's going to be, we're going to start with like this really brutal jigsaw murder that has maybe something or nothing to do with the actual plot. And then we have this big overarching game that's happening where these people are put into a thing, which kind of connects to the main story, but also kind of not as to not mess with it. And then you have the detective plot line going on. So you start with basic ass trap, overarching trap, detective plot line. And it's like that for every single movie. And then third act, crazy M. Night Shyamalan reveal. Rinse and repeat. It's like before he left, he wrote down the formula for them. It was like, all right, guys, if you just do this yeah. every time, you're good. Yeah. And they do, and they are fine. Like they are, they are totally fine, but they definitely you know dip a little bit as we get go move on in the movies but. so unfortunate yeah but that's it cool so, very nice that's my update for you yeah um all right you ready to uh, hop into our first topic let's hop today? right in let's do it so this is something that you and i know uh very closely unfortunately something that a lot of um streamers unfortunately deal with youtube creators deal with that's dcma that's uh, for right those that don't know what dcma is that's the what is it the 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 something millennia copyright act or something like that i want to say about, digital digital yeah dig, oh digital millennium copyright act you're yeah. right um and basically what that does it's a federal law um that essentially allows companies music studios whatever it is to claim uh, that you are infringing on their copyright by using their music which is the most common thing um, products i don't know it could be a lot of different things um, but the main one is really music and when we stopped filming like when we stopped you know producing content a couple years ago 
our last video was YouTube is bad. And it's because we got a copyright strike on our account from having music that was being broadcast from a live stream that we were live streaming during E3. Yeah. Um, and every kind of E3 video we produced, which was kind of our bread and butter for a little while, um, was getting these copyright strikes or copyright claims or whatever it is, which is really annoying when you're clearly not trying to profit off of the music that's in there or even intending to use the music that's in there. Yeah. And then you being essentially fucked by that. And in some cases, it was fair use. Uh, most cases for us, yeah. it was fair use. We were using it. It wasn't exceeding 15 seconds sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. It was simply the, like a trailer for a video game would be playing and it would have music that was copyrighted and we would get caught for that. So, yeah. Um, and so up until this point, really, um, I think last week is when this uh, is referring to when Twitch updated. So basically, Twitch updated their um, their DCMA like rules, basically. Yeah. Um, and up to this point, Twitch has been really good with that. They haven't had really too many issues about DCMA or copywriting music and things like that. Um, obviously cause their streamers are not like on there profiting off of that. And it, it mostly falls under fair use anyway. Um, or a lot of, especially large name streamers got copied, like got the rights to use music and things like that. Yeah. So anyway, Brett last week, Twitch informed their partners. Okay. Their Twitch partners, their official twist partners that they deleted their content. Okay. And specifically, they said in this thing that they sent out to their partners, we are writing to quote, we are writing to inform you that your channel is subject to one or more of these DCMA takedown notifications and that the content identified has been deleted. We recognize by deleting this content, we are not giving you the option to final a counter notification or seek a retraction from the rights holder. In consideration of this, we have processed these notifications and are issuing you a one-time warning to give you the chance to learn about copyright law and the tools available to manage the content on your channel end quote twitch is a fucking mess dude so they basically so let's let's put this into context right say we were a huge twitch streamer right we've been on the platform for i don't know three four five years every video clip stream that you produced on twitch that is hosted on twitch right is now gone if it had copyright. <clears throat> if it had copyright and they're like yeah it's all gone we're not giving you the right to appeal this basically. Um, learn about copyright and don't do it again in the future or your channel is going to be banned. Yeah. Well, so I do want to say, I don't think that <coughs> Twitch was always squeaky clean when it came to DMCA or D is it DMCA? DMCA? Yeah. I don't think mm -hmm. they were squeaky clean when it came to that always, because I do remember there being a thing about um, the VODs on people's Twitch accounts. If they had music in them, they would get copyright. You're right. You're right. Copyright strike. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they removed them or what, but now hearing this, that, that's worse than YouTube. That's worse than YouTube handles it. Yeah. YouTube, At least YouTube won't delete your content. No, no. It'll YouTube it just will, demonetize it. Yeah, demonetize it. In some cases, they'll block it in certain countries so it can't be viewed. Um, right. I, we've never had a video just straight get deleted ever. No, never. Um, and so there's been a lot of streamers that are like, <clears throat> obviously freaking out about it and rightfully so, because I think this is an abysmal practice. Yeah. Um, that you should have allowed what you should have done if they were going to do this, which what's the reason behind doing it now? Like what changed, like what happened is 
one of my questions. Yeah. But you should have, instead of flagged those videos for streamers and been like, hey, you need to review these. And like, if you have rights to them or whatever, you can fix it. Like, if you don't, like, you might need to mute the sounds that are claimed or like whatever it might be and give the creators a chance to kind of, you know, combat that and save their content instead of just purging it. And so now streamers are like super concerned and this is affecting huge streamers too, by the way, it's not just like smaller partners. It's like huge streamers. Um, Streamers are basically like sharing their content now and having to use like these websites have been created to basically allow them to mass download all of their content. So they don't lose it. And like, there's a lot of problems with that too, in the sense of like, first of all, do you get even the opportunity to do that? Yeah. Right. And then third of all, if you do do that, can you imagine if you're in the middle of like doing a mass download and then everything just gets flagged and purged? It's ridiculous, man. This was totally like the lazy way to do things. Uh, I don't want to say YouTube's good in any way, shape, or form for the way they handle copyright because they're not. They're absolutely awful. Um, yeah. But at least they're not this bad. Uh, they've developed yeah. tools that allow you to edit your videos on the platform, mute the audio if necessary, um, you know, cut the part out, trim it. They've provided mm-hmm. that for their users, whereas Twitch here is basically saying, hey, you fucked up. You can't fix it. You're done. We're deleting it. Right. It's right. just ridiculous. I mean, can you imagine if we were more prevalent on Twitch? And like, so we have, we've like basically, it's not officially licensed, but it is officially licensed in the fact that we have written consent from our the creator that does our music, Kubi, yeah. right? Um, which by the way, check out uh, his music always in the description it's great we use it for everything it's fantastic yeah um but you know we have express written consent from kubi can you imagine if like all our videos were on twitch instead and then gone because it's like because kubi does have a a record deal yeah um, or a license and like just gone and we're like but wait we have written consent we have proof that we have access to this content no way and that's it no way and there's no way to go back instead of you instead of them just saying now hey Learn copyright so you don't do it again. And you can't submit a, a dispute, right? Get that's the bullshit. fuck out of here, man. It's so bad. Yeah, it's, that's a it's great, so bad. great example, actually, because it's happened to us before on YouTube, actually, where we were using his music, and it was right when he signed his deal. Because if, if, for those that don't know, he, all of Kubi's music was copyright-free. It was, if you want to mm-hmm. you know, use it on YouTube, go ahead. There's thousands of channels out there that use the same music as us. And that's fine. Um, His songs are great and it's become a staple for our channel. Um, But there was a time when we got flagged for his Mm -hmm. music when he got signed and he he released a Mm -hmm. statement and said, hey, if I've given you consent, like, just let me know and we'll rectify this on YouTube. And he he took and he did take care of it for us like immediately. Yeah. Yeah. So but if this was Twitch, that wouldn't have happened. He wouldn't even have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And think about all the content we'd lose, man. We'd have this is episode 21. And to be to be frank here, this isn't actually episode 21. This is episode mm-hmm. like way later than that. We kind of like did a soft <laughs> reboot of our channel um, and started numbering the episodes from one again. So mm-hmm. if if one day YouTube was like, hey, we're just going to automatically delete all of your shit. We don't have backups of those videos. They're gone. Right. That's right. it. Right. That's it. Oh, man, it's pretty bad. I'm glad we never 
jumped ship to Twitch. And it's unfortunate that Twitch, which was supposed to be the savior here, they're supposed to save right. us, you know, and yeah. they've gone back and become just as bad as YouTube, if not worse. Dude, Twitch has really been just on a tear of abysmality lately. I don't know if it's because Am I feel like Amazon's owned them for a while now, though. But I don't know if it has to do with Amazon um, and stuff like that or just abysmal people within it. Um, you know, you look at, too, the stuff that happened with Dr. Disrespect. And, like, he still doesn't know why he was banned. Allegedly. Like, yes. well, allegedly he doesn't know. Yeah. But, like, there's just a lot of shady and abysmal shit that Twitch has done that is going to make their platform suffer in the long run. And it's yeah. a shame because similar to Amazon, they have such a stranglehold on the market that they operate, right? You saw like Ninja and Shroud um, jump ship to go to Mixer, right? Because they got a bunch of money from Mixer, but then Mixer started shutting down. So they went right back to Twitch. And I'm yep. sure Twitch, like it's just, there needs to be other platforms for people to go besides YouTube and Twitch. Um, and I know that there are, but similar to the real world, the big companies have such a large foothold on that content, right? Yep. And for users, it's easy. It's a familiar platform. It's easily accessible. It's easier to get to. It's for creators. It's easier to get noticed, like whatever it might be. <clears throat> but there are other platforms on out there that are probably way better, but just smaller. Yeah. And the problem is that you don't get the views or you do get the right. views, but it's just stagnant i guess is the word right. for it you know yeah yeah for so. sure it's unfortunate um part of the whole twitch abysmality right yes is a man by the name of alex hutchinson who is this alex hutchinson well according to his twitter bio now He's the creative director at SG&E Montreal Studio. But wait, Josh, when I looked this up the other day, it said that he was the creative director at Stadia. Right. So he is basically a studio head, right, within a studio that is a creative studio for Stadia. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I forget what the SG&E stands for. Well, it's I heard that actually they were another studio that got... Um, Bought by Stadia. Or, okay. Or at, okay. They're they're now a yeah. developer of Stadia. So. Yeah. So regardless, he's part of this Google Stadia infrastructure, right? Previously, he worked on uh, Journey to the Savage Planet, Far Cry Four, Assassin's Creed Three, Spore, Sims Two. Sims Two, arguably one of the best Sims. Just want to say. Yeah. Well, let's be careful there. Huh? Okay. Um. So anyway, why do I bring him up? Well, on he took Twitter by storm the other day. My yeah, man. he did. As as we were, we were going back and forth. We were following it. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and I think I wasn't gonna bring this up to later. I think I'll bring it up now. In regards to the tweet that we're about to talk about, okay, um, somebody posted information about what that tweet led to, and said that over the course of a few hours, Hutchinson's handful of tweets altogether received nearly ten thousand retweets on twitter which significantly exceeds the combined total of retweets on google stadia tweets across the entirety of a three-day of their three-day quote-unquote good stuff event 
okay, which was currently under 2,000 retweets when he did all of this. Um, and the intense discussion on Twitter has caused Stadia to become a trending topic in the United States. So why has this become a trending topic, Brett? What did well, he say? It relates, di- it relates directly to the Twitch stuff that we were talking about at the top of the show. Okay. Okay. So here's what he said. Quote, streamers worried about getting their content pulled because they used music they didn't pay for should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for as well. It's all gone as soon as publishers decide to enforce it. And then he continues, the real truth is the streamer should be paying the developers and publishers of the games that they stream. They should be buying a license like any real business and paying for the content that they use. End quote. Okay. I want to reiterate the main issue with this for me. Okay. Okay. Um, when he said, streamers worry about getting their content pulled because they use music they didn't pay for, quote, here it is, should be more worried by the fact that they're streaming games they didn't pay for. How does he know they didn't buy it? I don't even think he necessarily means that. I think he means officially licensing it to basically use it as content. Okay. Right. So I don't, he never clarified. Uh, he kind of crawled back into a turtle shell once this happened because um, he's a little bitch. But uh, I believe he actually said he went and streamed games and he, he played. Was that after? Yeah. He went and played video games. I'm pretty sure. Oh. And streamed. Oh my God. You're right. Oh, okay. Then he actually tweeted, amazing to me that people are upset at someone saying that the creators of content should be allowed to make some of the money from other people using their content for profit. I'll get back to that in a second. Yeah. But then he says on October 22nd, which is actually the same day he put out that tweet about paying studios for their games. He said, anyway, gonna hop online and stream some Fall Guys. Who's up for it? I almost Bitch. think he was being sarcastic there, but I do believe he probably did stream Fall Guys. All right, so here's my problem with this. Yeah. Streaming games is the number one easiest way to market a game. Mm-hmm. Game developers are thrilled that big streamers play their games. Mm-hmm. They'll even provide the game for free to the streamer in some instances. In most instances, so that the streamer can play their game, get eyes on that game, and sell units of that game. Fall Guys, great example. Among Us, great example. Mm -hmm. Phasmophobia, great example. Yeah. So he has like a different vision of how things are supposed to work in the industry. Just like Google Stadia has this other way of thinking about the the games industry. And that's fine. Right. A bad one. Yeah. Yeah. In our eyes anyway. Yes. But I think what it comes down to is this guy's just fucking bad. And he doesn't. I just I don't know what he he was trying to accomplish with this. But he was just wrong at every step of the way. Everything he said, I don't agree with. Um, Yeah. He's just wrong. Let's break it down a little bit. Go ahead. Yeah. About, About why it's wrong. First of all, the music licensing, right, with DCMA, we, we, we're on the same page. We disagree with it, right? You're not, it's not like, P- DCMA does not impact the people that are trying to profit off of ripping off other people's content, right? Instead, it is hurting creators that are using that music or whatever it is as a supplement to their content, right? 
yeah. not as a necessarily way to rip off and make money off of that music, right? There's no, and I'm sure there might be a small percentage of people that straight up rip songs and put them on YouTube and try to make money off of them, right? That's not what DCMA is impacting, right? It's impacting creators, right? Mm -hmm. It's taking creators' livelihoods away. It's ruining their platforms, right? And their their um, audiences, right? And their ability to create content. Okay? That's right. So if you want to apply, I think the exact same logic can apply to what his argument here is, right? I don't think that there's streamers that aren't paying for the games that they get. Okay, or they're streaming games that they were probably sent codes to or sent to by these companies to advertise them, to stream them, right? To promote them. Okay. Yep. Like you said, streaming is the best way to promote a game. Okay. It just is. It's free advertising. So him saying that, what do you want streamers to pay the companies for? You want them to officially license it like music? You want them to what? I don't know what your argument is here. It if sounds I like pay that's for, it. He wants you to pay for the licensing fee in order to stream the yeah. game. Yeah. But if I buy a game, I've licensed that game to myself. I've purchased a copy of that game. It is licensed to me, and therefore I can do with it whatever the fuck I want to do with it. You're right. But then you could say the same about music and movies. I buy a copy of a movie. Is it now my movie that I can now put online and include in my videos? It, it, it's... There's a fundamental problem with copyright in general in this country. And oh, I, for sure. And that's what needs to get resolved, I think. Because for like sure. games, it doesn't apply. Movies and music, it does apply. They're both entertainment mediums. They were both created by a group of people, a team, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's just in general, the whole system's fucked. And it's But you interact with those types of media very differently. Though. Oh, you do. 100%. Mm -hmm. You're right. Um, I just think it's a, it's a systematic issue. And I think that for him to even tweet, this is ridiculous at this point because it just doesn't make sense. It does not make any sense. It's so the whole system is so screwed up and so messed up that he's literally mm -hmm. just like, Hey, what if we just do this guys? And it's like, no, that's the exact opposite of what we should be doing. Right. And two, okay, let's. Let's play devil's advocate for a second. You're right. We totally want game developers to be supported financially. We totally want them to make money off their yes. games. Right? I guarantee you they will make so much more money off people purchasing the games that get streamed than they ever would from bottlenecking creators to officially license their games to be able to play them or stream them. Yeah. Hmm. I just don't get it. And then you also make the argument too, you know how expensive it is to officially license a movie or a piece of music? Yeah. You want the same thing for games? You'll crush the industry. You'll destroy it. You'll ruin it, right? The video game industry will have about as much interest as fucking Google Stadia does and anything that this motherfucker's studio develops. Because I tell you what, I'm going to actively campaign against every single fucking thing this motherfucker does for the rest of his life. He's disgusting. I don't understand how someone that has had such a good track record in the games he's worked on could think this way. He's had to have seen, you know, the results of people streaming his pro his projects, right? Like, you can't tell me that a guy that worked on the fucking Sims 2 is sitting at home going, oh, man, these motherfuckers are streaming my motherfucking game and they're making money off of it and I'm not getting any of it. It's like, dude. 
You got people yeah. playing The Sims 2. Someone's going to go and buy The Sims 2 now. Look at Spore. Spore Look sucks. at the footprint that had. Spore sucks, dude. I know, but the only reason people even know about it is because people streamed and played it for it being so abysmal. That's you're like, you're one hundred percent right. You're one hundred percent right. They would make dick monsters and shit and spore, and then that would go on YouTube, and that's how it got big. Yeah. So I'm not done with this guy yet either. By the way, Brett. Okay, okay. I got a little more for you. Okay. Um, first of all, so after he made that tweet, um, this was at this was an official statement or an interview that was done. No, it was a statement put out by Google. Um, and was picked up by GameIndustryBiz.biz, which is a uh, obviously a video game uh, news website. Yep. And Google said um, when they were speaking to Nine to Five Google, which I guess is a separate tech outlet, um, the spokesperson from Google said, "Quote: The recent tweets by Alex Hutchinson dot 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 do not reflect those of Stadia, YouTube, or Google." End quote. So basically, Google saying, "Yeah." We don't agree with a single thing this fucking executive says about or, or that. Maybe they do agree, but they're just distancing themselves from him and his his words. It's like when you put on Twitter and you say like these tweets are my own, not my company's. Right. You know. But I don't not I feel like they probably definitely don't agree with it. You look at how popular YouTube gaming is now when since Doc True. came over and stuff like that. True. Um and a lot of YouTube's traffic comes from video games yeah right? dude actually wait now you're making me think fucking google stadia is google and google owns youtube and mm -hmm. youtube is the platform that streamers one of them that you use and he's he's like He's shitting on one of the company's yes. platforms in order to promote his idea. Right. But he works for a different platform, Stadia. But I'm, mm -hmm. my head hurts, dude. This guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. What an idiot. Why would you do this? Why would you say these things when you work for yeah. Google? Um, and then I want to give you two more tidbits about this guy, and then we'll be done. Uh, but these two, I think it's part of a track. This tweet from him is part of a track record of a, abysmal opinions and things that this guy has been related to. Yes, he's had some really nice games that have come out, right? Regardless of what his position was with working on them. However, this dude has a really bad rap the more you get into it. Okay. Okay. So first of all, this one, and I don't know all the parameters around it, but I wanted to throw it out there and see what your opinion is. He said in an interview with Polygon, okay, he said that developers were, quote, inches away from allowing players to choose between a man or a woman as a co-op buddy in the upcoming shooters multiplayer. And this was for um, a game that I'm actually not sure what it is. Anyway, for a game that he was working on that he said that they were inches away from allowing players to choose between a man or a woman as a co-op buddy in the upcoming shooters multiplayer. When asked what stopped them, Hutchinson said it was, quote, purely a workload issue, end quote. The team didn't have a, quote, female reader for the character and that all the animations were already in place, end quote. So what does this mean? There was no... So basically he said, basically this was 
create a toxic workplace environment apparently and that he just decided to not include a female playable playable character because it was quote too hard for him Mm. so people were pissed off about that but even more so okay this dude and this is going to trigger you because let's just be honest both both you and i we absolutely love Japanese people and Japanese culture and Japan and Japanese gaming and Japanese games and Japanese media and art and anything. Anything about Japanese, you can basically just call us weeps, all right? Mm -hmm. Because we love Japan. Absolutely love it. There's a difference between being a person that just likes anime and people that are full-on, disgusting, unhygienic weeaboos. Okay. Here you go. Alex Hutchinson, the creative director. This was a, from a story from 2012, by the way. Oh, okay. boy. So he's been in the news, this guy. Yeah. For Assassin's Creed 3. He was the creative director on Assassin's Creed 3. Okay. He said, Alex Hutchinson, the creative director of Assassin's Creed 3, has said that he believes game journalists give Japanese developers an easy ride. Okay. Exhibiting a quote unquote subtle racism, which is condescending to those that it favors. Speaking in an interview with CVG, Hutchinson expressed his frustration with the press's treatment of what he sees as substandard storytelling in Japanese games. He's mad, right, that Japanese people produce better games than he does and therefore are looked at positively in the media. This dude's a fucking cuck and a schmuck and a schmeck. I can't, dude. I don't know what to say. Are you say. kidding me? I don't know what to say. The games that this dude has produced are clearly not indicative of narrative perfection. Okay? Um, and you think there's substandard storytelling in Japanese games? Dude, the story in fucking The Sims 2, though, is fucking spectacular. You and produce Spore? Spore? <laughs> yeah, you produce Spore? Yet the Japanese... Have substandard storytelling in their games? You're a substandard fucking human being. I just think it it's like uh that's a very that's a weird hill to die on for him because clearly there are probably Japanese games that he might be thinking of that are like just garbage, anime titty, like what is this game kind of thing. But at the same time, there's that with American games too, dude. Literally, there's a game where you fucking smack a jar of mayonnaise. There's literally games where you date fucking birds. Like, yeah. And in that one, I would argue that, that the narrative actually might be pretty decent. Um, but there's games where you literally smack jars Had of a mayonnaise. Boyfriend. Yeah. Come on, dude. Like, yeah, it works just on both a, sides. It's a stupid comparison or thing to even bring up. Like, why would you do that? Like why why would you even like a lot of these things it seems like this guy why are you opening your mouth exactly who gave you a fucking box to stand on listen dude super mario odyssey's campaign isn't fucking last of us in terms of it's like storytelling dude it's no assassin's creed 3 let me tell you that (laughs) i just think that like there's a time and place where the game needs to be super impactful and and you know tell an amazing story but like certain games like the legend of zelda breath of the wild they tell like this epic legendary story without like spoon feeding it to you or without you even experiencing everything yourself. Um, I, I just, the, his argument is just flawed. I don't think that 
that's just a really dumb thing to say. He's saying there's racism in the industry because a couple Japanese games that he saw didn't have a good storytelling, you know, device. I just get him out. Anyway, I'm done. Yeah, I'm done talking about him. He's not worth my breath anymore. Um, we were flaming him up on Twitter, too. Got to mention that. Oh, yeah, we were flaming him up on Twitter. It's pretty funny. Um, so here is the thing. Continuing off of that, right? He's a dev at Google Stadia. <laughs> um, the next thing I want to talk about, at least briefly, is um, Google Stadia itself and then kind of elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. Okay. That's okay with you. Sure. Um, so I mentioned that tweet, right, in our last topic about Google Stadia trending because of his tweets and how much traction they got for the complete wrong reason, obviously. Yeah. Um, Google Stadia, first of all, we know, was a complete mess, right? It is not good. Its user base <laughs> is low. It's very low. People are not talking about it. People don't care about Google Stadia. Google Stadia is bad. It was a bad idea. It's a piece of shit. The graphics are fucking terrible. We talked about how it was a bad idea, and I think we both share that similar opinion. And there's other right? platforms that are already well-established that are doing the exact same thing. Right. Of course! Right. Um, and I really think Google Stadia was always meant to fail, right? You're coming into a saturated marketplace as far as, like, actual what do you want to call it? Hardware, software, whatever it is, right? You're coming into a saturated marketplace where a lot of different people already have really good footholds in there. Okay. And you're coming in to offer the exact same thing, basically. Now, what's cool about Stadia is you can stream, right? You can play in the browser, right? You can stream cool. it from anywhere. Yeah. That is awesome. Um, but also your games, you don't have the games. What did they launch with? And Destiny 2? They Google had, Stadia does not have any games. And they got games. They had um, the Assassin's Creed game at the time. Which one? Odyssey or Origins, whatever one came out with that time frame. Yeah. I'm trying to see. Because that was the game games. people beta tested in the browser was Assassin's Creed. The original Assassin's Creed? No, fucking Origins or uh, Odyssey. Oh. Oh. Whichever, um, whichever one of those two came out. All right. Well, the, listen, the list of Google Stadia games is not that long. Still. Um, anyway, not what I'm trying to talk about. What I more so wanted to talk about is this kind of what I would call almost like a trend within the tech industry of these companies who are not traditionally involved in gaming, particularly hardware or producing games or creating a platform for games. Mm hmm starting to dip their toes in and try to get involved with gaming, obviously because it's a profitable industry. Okay. Yep. Um, and how the fact that it's a really bad idea for these companies to do this, to try to get their feet wet, right? Yep. When they're inevitably going to fail. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There's, uh, I think Amazon just launched or unveiled their new streaming game streaming service. Yeah, what's it called? It's Remember? called it's called Amazon. Uh, is not good. 
right? No, I don't know what it's called. It's called fucking Amazon Dreams or Amazon. Here, I'll I'll do it right now. Yeah, I forget what it's called. But regardless, it's pretty bad. Um, and here's to me why it's a really big issue. Luna. Right. Luna. You're right. Right. Um, there has been a lot of uh, companies, right, that have gotten involved with gaming and then have really kind of pulled out right? Or not invested the way that they should have. Okay. Yep. You look at Google Stadia failing. Um, Amazon Luna is going to fail. Okay. Facebook gaming is going to fail. Okay. They're trying to come into a marketplace and gain a foothold where there's no need for them to be there. You're not offering anything new and you don't need to be there and you're not offering anything good for the developers. Okay. And straight from the developer's mouth, this is a article I'm referring to on a website called Therat, which is a tech um, news analyst uh, research website, okay? Um, and they re they talk about a report from Business Insider, right? On sp specifically, they said that they talked to game developers and publishers who said there are two main reasons that their games aren't on Stadia, right? Because we know this, it's a fact that Google Stadia has had an issue with getting people to put games onto their platform. Okay. And to me, I always just thought, ah, well, it's probably because it's just bad or there's some proprietary stuff or it's really hard to publish it on there or optimize it or whatever the fuck it is. But some developers actually came out in this um, report from Business Insider that basically Google, specifically related to Stadia, Google didn't offer them enough money to publish the games and they don't trust the company to stick with gaming in the long term. So it's like when someone from the outside goes in your industry and you're like, I don't trust that you're going to be here in 10 years. Why should I dedicate myself to you? Right, exactly. Um, because those studios have to localize the game for it, uh, for that platform. They have to test it. They have to go through approval, right? And Google would have had to license that game to be on their platform, right? To distribute it, yeah. okay? And they said that Google didn't offer them enough money which is so interesting to me that they're yeah to me that says that google's not dedicated enough to yeah get they're games. probably concerned they're probably they probably put out stadia they're like we're gonna go all in on this and then when they realize people ain't buying it you're like oh well maybe not um do you know does google stadia have a subscription fee so they did i don't know if they do anymore things have changed drastically with stadia in the last couple of months um mm -hmm. I do know it was a subscription based thing at first, um, but I've, I've heard a lot of people saying like, oh, I tried it out recently and Stadia is great. So I honestly, I have no idea. Um, mm -hmm. here, let me look it up while you. Um, yeah, so basically developers are not trusting in Stadia. I think you're going to have something similar with Amazon Luna. I mean, maybe not. Maybe Amazon will get it right. Um, they've been involved in Twitch for a while. Maybe they have, you know, some people in there that kind of know what they're doing. Um, and then there is something that kind of plays into our next topic, but I won't transition yet until we're done. Uh, but in this continued uh, interview with Business Insider, they talked also specifically about Xbox and xCloud and Game Pass. Um, and basically developers were like, Microsoft has long established relationships with the gaming industry. They clearly have the infrastructure and they understand the market. Google does not. And I think that's a great, great point. That is a good point. X Xbox has a history of games, publishing games, hardware with games. Um, 
creating infrastructure for games um, and knowing what they're doing, where Google is more so this big tech company where they're like, ooh, look at this shiny gaming industry I can get involved in. Let me go get involved in this and see if I can make some money on it. Yeah. You know, like. Let me let me chime in. So Stadia, yeah. I believe, is a free platform if you buy the games. It's a $10 a month subscription if you want to sign up for um, Stadia Pro, which is their platform where you, it's basically like Game Pass, where you could stream or it's like Game Pass in that it's a full library of games you could play for free if you pay. Um, but in this case, there's no downloads at all. You stream the games, unlike Game Pass, where you would download them. Um, however, you can stream the games with Game Pass if you have the app uh, and you use the xCloud thing they have going on. So in the games that they're advertising here, which, by the way, on the place on the on the website where you would buy the Stadia, they advertise everything except the games. They advertise the controller, the Chromecast, everything. The The pro membership thing is not there and neither is the games. Um, but when they do finally talk about the games on the website, the games that they have advertised here are Hitman 1, Orcs Must Die 3, Destiny 2 The Collection, Super Bomberman R Online, Hello Neighbor, and PUBG. Um, you mentioned Orcs, which I don't actually even know what that game is, mm -hmm. but I know it has a multiplayer component because I saw somebody post on Twitter in response, I think it was actually <laughs> to Hutchinson's things from our last story. Um, about that it took his son, this user's, this Google Stadia user's son. No, it was on a Google Stadia forum when I was doing research for this topic. And he said his son had to wait almost an hour to get into a lobby for something to do with orcs because the, the player base is so low. And then he just gave up because his kid didn't want to wait anymore. So he pulled out his iPad and played something on there instead or whatever. Um, so obviously that's another impact on the ecosystem, right? Is that you have, you look at Xbox, you look at PlayStation, you look at Nintendo, you look at PC, Steam. They have huge player bases Yeah, that are established, have been established, have been here for a very long time. You cannot come in, right, and try to get a slice of the market for something that's been established and has great healthy competition within it already, right, and think that you're going to have any kind of impact or think that it's going to work out for you financially. Yeah. And then when you also pair with that, not supporting creators, right? And giving them incentives to publish on your platform, your platform is going to die. Now, let me ask you this. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite here. So let's talk about what's the difference between Google Stadia coming in and disrupting this ecosystem here versus another uh, streaming platform or video platform coming in and doing that and interrupting YouTube and Twitch. What is the, what in your opinion is the big difference there? Google is a massive company. They have the capital from other sources mm -hmm. to fund that venture, right? Yeah. To the point where it would be profitable for them or if it's not, they're probably gonna stop it. The massive companies that exist that would probably be beneficial to doing something on the streaming side or social side with YouTube, Twitch, whatever it is, already, already on those platforms. Okay. I just wanted to play devil's advocate. I knew I, I feel the same way as you. So I just wanted to make yeah. sure that was established. It's, it's much easier for a, it's much easier for an Amazon, right? To identify a market or a new venue and be like, Ooh, shiny. 
I'm going to spend a lot of money to go in there because they already have the capital versus a startup, say it, or a smaller company, right? Who are like, ooh, I want to do something good for the people that are already using these other platforms, right? Yep. Let me start something. They don't have the capital. They don't have the finance, nor will they get it, nor will they be able to even compete at a level with, that would get them notoriety, right? Gotcha. So, so with all of this, opinion. with all this being said, are you excited for Walmart's uh, streaming service for games? Are you being serious? Yeah. There's... I didn't know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're working on it. So get ready for that because that's coming. How do these companies think that these things are going to work for them? It's weird, man. It's weird. And I think it would I think it has something to do with like in store with Walmart, like they would have little kiosks where you'd be able to like play the games too. get rid I of don't space. even know anything about that, nor am I a business expert, but I'm already going to tell you that's going to fail miserably. Yeah, you, you know what? I have to look it up now because there might have been some developments. It's been a very long time since I last heard. So let me just see okay. Walmart game streaming. That sounds like such an abysmal fucking idea. I can't even believe it. Walmart. Although, I mean, they do have the capital because um, the Walton comp family or whatever, whoever owns Walmart or like the wealthiest fucking family in the entire world or something like that or the second wealthiest. So here it is. Walmart is reportedly looking into launching its own cloud gaming service. All of the reports are from March of 2019. So apparently okay. they were like they were sh uh, shopping around with different developers and publishers and saying to them like, hey, how would you guys feel if we did this? Um, so, yeah. Walmart. It has to start and stop with developers of the games. And if you don't get people on your platform and don't give them incentive to publish on there or have give gamers an incentive to use your platform then you're gonna fail it also looks like yep it's it's gonna be called liquid sky there's been a little bit more, more. Like, more like liquid shit out of my ass Continuing with abysmal fucking companies, Brett. Facebook. Oculus. I'll let you take it away for a couple minutes before I say anything. Okay. So, it recently, you know, not recently, but for the last couple of months, ever since Facebook acquired Oculus, uh, and they started pushing their integration... Uh, because I, I believe they actually changed the name of oculus or hold on i have to look this up now because i believe they did change the name from oculus <clears throat> yeah hold on really like it's still called oculus but is it oculus by facebook or something like here that? it is uh, Facebook is changing the name of their augmented reality and virtual reality organization to Facebook Reality Labs. Um, yeah. So, there's that. But they've been pushing integration of Facebook into all of their products, all the different Oculus products. 
Um, they're forcing users to create Facebook accounts in order to create an Oculus account, basically. It is our mission to try to help connect everyone around the world and to bring the world closer together. Um, so, you know, with all these things going on in the world right now, with uh, documentaries uh, coming out telling you how social media is bad and it's evil, and you have more people right now deleting their social media accounts than ever before. Facebook is saying, oh, well, you want to use our virtual reality gaming headset that has absolutely nothing to do with Facebook? You need a Facebook account to do that. And Josh, it gets worse because now it's been reported that deleting your Facebook account will also delete your Oculus game purchases. How could you have done this? So if you were to use this Facebook account to create an Oculus account, and you buy your games for your Oculus headset on your, you know, on the Oculus store, deleting your Facebook account will delete the games. Now, when you delete a, your Facebook account, can you recover or restore your purchases or anything like that? I don't know. But why would it matter? Why would they make that a thing? How could you have done this? So if you buy an Oculus, right? Mm -hmm. and you have your Facebook, you have to link your Facebook to that. You absolutely have to. And then you buy games for the Oculus, and then you're like, hey, I'm loving my Oculus, but boy, oh boy, do I hate that social media thing, Facebook. I want to get rid of it. You delete your Facebook account. Your Oculus purchases go with it? Apparently so, yes. That's really bad. And even more, um, this is actually breaking news right now. Um, Apparently, on the Oculus forums for support, um, an Oculus support agent claimed that if you had multiple VR headsets, multiple Oculus units, and you were using them on the one Facebook account, it would ban your account. Now, situations where this would be bad, Josh, is father has his own Oculus headset, Son has his own Oculus headset. Why would you make a Facebook account for your eight-year-old son in order so he can play his Oculus games, correct? Does that make sense to you? Mm -hmm. Now, since then, this is like this is like an hour ago this came out. Uh, Oculus actually had to go and clarify on Twitter and say, hey, listen, you know, this ain't true. We're not going to, you know, we're not going to fuck you over. We're not going to ban you for having multiple VR headsets with one account. Uh, we're not going to ban you for buying more of our products. <laughs> yeah, basically, they said the whole goal is is for them to um, let your whole household experience virtual reality together. Um, but their model of having to create a Facebook account, in my opinion, goes completely against that. Because 90-year-old grandma might want to play Oculus and she doesn't need a Facebook account. Eight-year-old son might want to play Oculus but does not need a Facebook account. Mm -hmm. And I've heard well, in multiple occasions, people have made throwaway Facebook accounts for their Oculus and they've gotten banned. Let me play devil's advocate, right? Let me throw something at you as a criticism or an argument for Facebook, maybe. Okay. Which I believe is one they actually made themselves. Their creative director or something like that. Um, Microsoft. Xbox. 
you have to have a Microsoft account to play on Xbox, right? Mm-hmm. At least Xbox Live and make purchases and things like that. Mm-hmm. PlayStation, you need a PSN account to make purchases and play on their network. That's true. Nintendo, you need a Nintendo and Entertainment Network account to make mm-hmm. purchases and play on their network. Steam, you need a Steam account, right? To yep. play and make purchases on their network. And the list goes on. That's correct. So, so what's the difference, Brett? The difference here is that this is a fucking social media company that bought a gaming company and they're forcing you to make a social media account to play a gaming platform. That is like mm-hmm. if fucking Xbox fucking got bought by MySpace and they were like, if you want to play on your Xbox Series X, you got to make a MySpace account. And you're like, what does me having a social media profile have literally anything to do with my gaming console? Mm-hmm. And they go, well, if you don't have one, we're going to delete everything you own and you're done. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, yeah, and we stand by that and we think it makes sense because I think they literally did use that argument. I forget where I read it, but they use that argument. Oh, that's like, well, Microsoft makes you do or Xbox makes you have a Microsoft account. But the difference is my Microsoft account isn't linked to a social media profile that has millions of pictures of me that is spying on me constantly, that knows where the fuck I am all the time, that is run by the fucking devil, antichrist, fucking abysmal sludge monster incarnate, fucking fuckface, whatever his name is for Facebook. Like... There's a difference between having a company that's literally cancer, right? Own your purchases or make you have, be able to access things that you paid for, right? Your purchases only if you have a a social media account with them. Now that's like 1984, like fucking George Orwell. That's Orwellian style bullshit that is not going to fly. So let me spit some facts to you. So Oculus, 100% the most identifiable VR headset on the market, correct? Yes, I would agree. If grandma wanted a VR headset, she would know what a, like I know normies that are like, oh yeah, I got an Oculus fucking quest or whatever it's called where you don't need a PC and you could just play Oculus, right? Yeah, it's a it's an ad- easily identifiable, most exactly. accessible. Exactly. The Vive might be the best, but the Oculus is the most well known. Okay. Sure. So why would you want to ruin that with this dumb shit? Let me give you another another fact here, Josh. Mm-hmm. Only one percent of Steam's users have a VR headset. One percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, listen, Steam's been around for a long time. Steam's huge. One mm-hmm. percent of their players have a VR headset. Why yeah. would you make it harder for people to play VR when it's already such a very, very low attach rate? Um, because Facebook is bad, and Mark Zuckerberg is bad, and everybody that supports this decision at Facebook at, or Oculus is bad, and it's. For Facebook, it is an access thing. It is that they want to be on as many devices yep. as 
possible. They want as many people's information as possible because that is their product. What? It's not the products they're selling to you. Yeah. Their product is your information that they sell to people. Exactly. That is their product. That is where their profit comes from. Exactly. And they can easily advertise to you this close to your face if you have a exactly. Facebook account linked to it. Right. So. Right. Right. So, yeah. That's uh some bullshit. And uh, I don't think that this partnership was a good deal. Just like I didn't think that Amazon buying Twitch was a good deal. And mm -hmm. it's all bad. Yeah. And they were, they uh, or uh, Oculus, Facebook, whatever the fuck, are putting, like they do have advertisements in the headset, right? I would, I can't speak to that. I don't know for sure, but I'm sure they do. Yeah. They're probably one of the many companies that support putting advertisements in games that you pay for as well. Yeah. That's a whole separate issue. But. Yeah. So, Josh, speaking of Valve and speaking of Steam, I want to talk to you about something that came into my radar last week, and you and I talked about it briefly. Mm -hmm. uh, Gabe Newell's New Zealand Adventure. Gabey Gabe. So, Gabe Newell, if you don't know. Has... I know Gabe. Hello, I'm Gabe Newell. He's been in New Zealand since March. He's been pretty much stuck there because of COVID. That and honestly, sense. very good place to be during COVID, if I might add. Yeah. He um he said that like he was there for something business related, right? And then he was like he had to make a choice to go home or stay there and quarantine with his team. Yep. And he chose to stay there. Good yep. choice, Gabe. They have like no cases, so exactly. Um, and I know you added here in the notes that he was at a few different studios. Do you want to talk to that? And then I'll continue. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so in New Zealand, it just sounded very Italian. Um, so in New when he was in New Zealand, um, he, he was stuck there. He chose to stay there to quarantine with some of his team. Um, he was like visiting different studios. He visited this like VR startup studio um which is really cool like this really tiny vr startup studio um in new zealand he visited there he like saw their product um they were really happy with it he gave them some feedback and they were like we're on to something now it's awesome that game visited us um he also like visited weta workshop which uh weta w-e-t-a i don't know i think you pronounce it weta who is a huge like um props studio yep. that like makes stuff for movies and stuff like that like they did lord of the rings like they won like a million fucking oscars and shit huge studio so he visited there um he visited um uh or connected with uh, another studio um dean's hall kiwi studio rock i do i can't pronounce it i'm not even gonna try to pronounce it basically another studio um and uh, the reason i brought that up is because he was basically just like because we had like incredible connections, we've continued to connect with more people and discover more things about New Zealand, uh, specifically talking about like the games media um, and game studios and things like that. So basically, okay. long story short, I just wanted to put in there the fact that he connected with a lot of studios and developers and startups related to gaming in New Zealand when he was there or as he's there for COVID. Okay. okay. So the next part of the story is that Gabe is applying for New Zealand residency, but he denies that he's moving Valve or Steam uh, to New Zealand. So right. he likes it so much, he likes being stuck there so much that he plans to move there. 
or at right. least apply for and, a residency. And was this the thing that started the rumors that like he was going to move like Valve and um, Steam Studios to New Zealand? It certainly fueled that. Um, but also some of the other things that I'm going to be talking about kind of led people to think that. Um, okay. So the, no the next thing that he did was he, he claimed that he wanted to talk to the New Zealand prime minister about developers uh, from other countries relocating okay. to New Zealand. So right. he, he was pretty much, and this is something he said, like out in the open, he wants to move developers from America, from Canada, from, you know, everywhere mm -hmm. to New Zealand. Good. The next step. Now, this is where things get interesting, Josh, and it gets a little tinfoil hatty. But okay, I personally love a good story like this when there's so many, you know, there's so many threads to this. So mm -hmm. let me just continue. Okay. So while he's in New Zealand, Gabe goes on a talk show called The Project. Excuse me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and Gabe, Gabe was asked which of the two next gen consoles were better. And obviously, it's like these normie people. They're like, hey, you play games. Are you going to get the Xbox or the PlayStation? And he pretty much said, uh, quite bluntly, I might add, the Xbox. Um, this Christmas, uh, PlayStation and Xbox are both coming out with new consoles. Which is better? Uh, the Xbox. And then when asked why, he said, because it is. It is better. Um, Certainly more powerful. Yeah, that's true. Uh, then he said, I don't have a stake in that race. Uh, obviously, we, Valve, uh, do most of our development on personal computers. But of the two, I would definitely go with an Xbox. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. So, yeah, we know he favors the Xbox. This is But, Brett, I like PlayStation. <laughs> Sorry. I was just going to say. imagine people. Yeah. I was just going to say, in the past, uh, I believe with the PS3, their, the relationship between Valve and, and Sony was a little stronger than that of Valve and Microsoft. Uh, there were certain things on the PlayStation 3 in Valve games that weren't there on the Xbox. There might even have been some integration uh, gotcha. with other things there. So that's worth noting. Okay. Um, next, Xbox Australia New Zealand puts out a very cryptic tweet. Damn, and you're in, taking me for a ride right now. Now, in the tweet were coordinates. And if you plug the coordinates in, Josh, it was New Zealand. And they had the hashtag, power your dreams. Oh. Okay. Did they have a studio? Did Xbox have a studio in New Zealand prior to this? No. That's part oh. of this. That's part of this. Oh. So next thing you know, Josh, Gabe and Phil Spencer have a video call. Mm -hmm. A this conference. Mm -hmm. And they speak. Okay. Words were spoken, yep. That's right. Next, Xbox updates the Xbox app, probably in preparation for the Xbox Series X launch. Mm -hmm. And in this update, my friend, they added Steam account link where you can link your Steam account to your Xbox account and find your Steam friends and add them on Xbox, mm -hmm. similar to like a Facebook integration. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Interesting. Next up, Xbox Australia New Zealand tweets out that there's going to be an event. Tune in November 9th at 11 p.m. New Zealand time for 
Power That's, your dreams. Wait, isn't that the day before the Xbox launches? Yep. The Xbox Series X and S launch? That's correct. And this is, it's a Power Your Dreams event, uh, which is the hashtag they used previously. And it seems that it's going to be like a launch event of some sort in several different countries. Okay. Mexico, I believe, has one. But interestingly, New Zealand was chosen for one. Okay. I couldn't find the tweet. It might have been deleted. But I showed you that there was a woman who is a, I believe she's a Twitch streamer, but she's a game developer now. She lives in New Zealand. And she said, isn't this interesting about the Xbox uh, New Zealand shit? Sparking rumors that Xbox is starting a new studio or something in New Zealand. So, Josh, what does this all mean? It means that Xbox is going to have a new studio in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Or it means that Gabe and Valve are sucking off Phil and Xbox. And we're going to see some kind of a... We're both. Partnership. Maybe they're, maybe Valve's going to open studios in New Zealand along with Xbox Studios, and we're going to see some kind of new partnership there. Could be a joint studio. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. To release Left 4 Dead 4, or 3, rather. <laughs> I was going to say they skipped one. Yep. Or Half-Life 3. Half-Life Alex, mm-hmm. dude. So... So, yeah, man, I mean, listen, there's just a lot of weird coincidences going on. Um, If anything's happening, I'm sure we'll find out on November 9th for the Power Your Dreams event. But I just thought all this was worth talking about and speculating on. Uh, Because, listen, Gabe and and Valve haven't really done anything in the console space uh, Mm -mm. in a very long time. So, yeah. Do you think... That this could have anything to do with um, xCloud or Game Pass integration with Steam? I didn't think about that, but that would be interesting. That would be Don't know what that would look like, but... I'm sure it would just be... Well, it would depend. Are you streaming the games or is it just Game Pass where like, if the games are also on Steam, you could play them? Who knows? Maybe you'll be able to play your Steam library via xCloud. That would be interesting. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, you know, speculating. They announced the xCloud's on the Xbox Series X. You can stream games to your Series X. And then they add uh, Steam support. You can play your Steam games on your Xbox. Or your phone. Or your phone. Wow. My mind's blown. (laughs) Okay. That's it. That's great. Yep. Gabe is looking very PCMR recently too you see his like long hair and like looks like george rr martin dude yeah but like not as abysmal as george rr martin looks yeah (laughs) true um all right anything else on that no i just think we should keep our eyes peeled that was a roller coaster yeah you're welcome of a story thanks you're welcome um to wrap up our pod for this week Now, those of you that have been watching obviously know we do a segment called Indie Intel, Intelligence, in, in Independent Intelligence. <laughs> That's the full title? I never <laughs> knew this. 
That sounds very official. It Independent does. intelligence. Um, this week, we're talking about a game called Scarlet Hollow. Okay, it's spooky season, Halloween time. Okay, this is actually, this is our pod that will go out before Halloween. Or by Halloween. On Halloween. On Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, in honor of that, totally not intentional at all. Scarlet Hollow. Let me read you some flavor text, Bert. Scarlet Hollow is a choice-driven horror adventure game and visual novel brought to life by critically acclaimed graphic novelist Abby Howard, who has done such stories as The Last Halloween, The Crossroads at Midnight, Junior Scientist Power Hour, and others. Um, Visiting the dying Appalachian coal town of Scarlet Hollow for the funeral of your long-lost aunt, you soon find yourself embroiled in a generations-long mystery that threatens an entire town. Who lives, who dies, and how the story ends is in your hands. Now, you showed me this game. You brought it to my attention. And I looked at some of the the screenshots. And dude, I got to say, there were some not good creatures in this game. Yeah. Now, it is a horror game, yeah. so I'm expecting that. And when I say not good, for the record, I don't mean it looks bad. I'm saying it right. looks scary, spooky, uh, not good. Right, spooky, scary skeletons, absolutely. Yeah. Spooky, scary skeletons and shivers down your spine. Um, so basically, this is a game that is done by one person primarily. Um, I think I think she does have a small team. Um but she does everything hand-drawn and it's traditionally colored. Um, There's going to be a complex relationship system in the game that changes how characters act around you, which I know you and I are both fans of. Um, It has trait-based dialogue and role-playing. So like similar to, I would compare it to um, probably like a Fallout type of, um, yeah, I guess a Fallout type of system or something similar to that where you have a class that you choose and then you have different um, uh, conversational choices based off of that. Uh, gotcha. dialogue choices based off of that original monster designs completely original which look awesome um and again everything is hand drawn and traditionally colored okay so this is project is on steam okay at the time of recording this it has three days to go okay so i don't know if this will be up on kickstarter t- on kickstarter yep i don't know if this will be up for that deadline but still check out the project um they well exceeded their goal their goal was twenty five thousand dollars they got to sixty one thousand two hundred sixty four dollars with a little over two thousand backers um so this project is funded and it was a all or nothing project so obviously it is ready to go that's awesome i think the idea of a horror visual novel is really cool. Mm-hmm. There's a few that have been done by Japanese developers. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't think they did very well. So this is cool to see another take on it, especially an American or what I believe to be an American take. Mm-hmm. So, From what I understand, yes. I think that's pretty slick. And I'm definitely going to try it out. Yeah. Um, and actually, for those that want to try it out right now, I actually downloaded it. Um, before we started, episode one of this visual novel is free to play right now on Steam. Ooh. So you can go on there, add it to your wish list, or just download it. Is um, there any uh, indication that it's coming to another platform at all? Um, so on the Kickstarter page, uh, it's just on Steam and itch.io right now. Okay. Um, there is currently no plan, and it works on PC, Mac, Linux. Uh, they said there's 
console mobile ports are currently not planned, though that may change in the future. Yeah, it's it's kind of expensive and hard to port games to consoles like that. Um, but I mm-hmm. think this is something that would fit perfectly on the Switch. Mm-hmm. Mobile. Oh, absolutely. You know. Absolutely. Any especially handheld. If, yeah, especially if xCloud ever comes to Switch. And yes. then, you know, Steam and Xbox have it so you can play your Steam games on xCloud. And then I can just play this game oh. on xCloud on my Switch. <laughs> but yeah, check out this game. I think it looks really cool. Uh, no secret that we are both huge horror fans. Um, check it out. Uh, looks really cool. Again, Scarlet Hollow. Shrieking skulls will shock your soul. Seal your doom tonight. Very cool. Very cool indeed. All right. Well, another pod in the books. That's it. It is another pod in the books. We have been. Um, We've been pounding it up very consistently. You have been, been a lot of fun. You have been taking on a brunt of the work with the editing, and I appreciate that, and putting some of the pod stuff together. So big shout out to you, getting it done, especially last week. You did it, uh, the last pod, for those that, you know, you don't, you, a lot of people don't know, uh, Josh cranked out almost every single video in like a day. So um, very hey, good. Man. No problem. It's very good. And also, thank you to everyone that's been checking out the videos. Um, Absolutely. I think, of course, Josh, the magnum opus of last week being the put your PS4, seriously put your PS4 and PS5 in rest mode video. Uh, yeah. If you haven't seen that, go check it out. Uh, but thank you to everybody for checking our content yeah. out. That video was a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. It's for nice sure. to revisit some of that. Um, shout out to you for doing some very good thumbnails. <laughs> Uh, be prepared for more that's all i'll say okay um so thanks for watching everybody make sure to uh, follow us on all our socials links are in the description subscribe hit that notification bell suck us off you know all of those good things that we want you all to do um if you have the time for it which let's be honest of course you do it takes you two seconds to click those things okay two seconds um that's it thanks for tuning in we'll see you all in the future.